Let's go to the movies. Today we're going to delve into what is being argued as one of the best films of the whole year, a little foreign film called Parasite. Also going to talk about Richard Jewell, which hasn't been getting too much buzz, but is well worth discussing. Welcome to a new episode. Thanks for joining me on episode 5. First, we're going to talk about Parasite. That movie came out a while ago. It's been getting a lot of buzz. It kind of keeps going back and forth between being in theaters, not being in theaters, kind of depending on the buzz it gets. It was directed by Bong Joon-ho. Currently has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it is a South Korean film, so it does have subtitles. Don't let that scare you. It's well worth the watch. General plotline for you is that it is a lower class family in South Korea trying to improve their place in the world by conning their way into all of the family members getting jobs for the same upper class family. This leads the family to believe that they are all unrelated. They kind of morph themselves into this other world. It is not a horror film. I know it got a lot of weird marketing and a lot of people thought it was a horror film, but definitely not. has a few weird moments, but not anything in the scary realm. So this director, personally, I don't know much from him because I'm not too big in Korean film. But he does have a lot of past movies under his belt. Two names that sounded kind of familiar, which possibly they've been redone in America are The Host and Snowpiercer, so worth a check if you enjoy Parasite. Uh, this movie did already win the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Film, so it's probably a shoe in to win that category at the Oscars. <clears throat> there is a chance that the director will be up for Best Director, and I think there's a long shot chance it could be up for Best Picture. Sometimes that does happen with the foreign film crossover like that. So we kind of just have to see where that one goes. Um, so yeah, some of the thoughts I had about this movie. First and foremost, as I did mention already, gotta get past the subtitles. If that kind of throws you off, try not to let it. Uh, the director himself made a note, just get past the subtitles. Because it is literally worth it. It's a very intriguing plotline. It's really easy to get into. It's not hard. Like, you don't feel like you're lost... You can kind of watch it without subtitles, really, and still kind of get what's going on. Um, I did go into this movie blind to the plot, only really knowing that it might be a horror movie. Like I said, weird marketing led me to believe that. But I kind of liked not knowing what might happen as I went into the theater. I had like a super open mind towards the whole experience. Um, But yeah, I would say it's mostly a movie about class divisions and what people will do in desperate times. Um, There was a lot of symbolism in representing the class divisions. Very literal. Like the lower class family lived in like a half basement apartment. So they're like half underground versus the family they end up working for is like a very wealthy family and they live in an apartment with all these stairs you have to climb up just to get into it. It's like well protected. 
And then within their apartment, they have that lower basement bunker area, which kind of represents the lower class that's stuck living inside that house. Like, they're still stuck in this lower place. So I thought the set design was really interesting in that regard. Um, It was an interesting use of the word parasite as the title. As I was talking about in the plot, the family literally cons their way into all having jobs at this house. The son initially starts working as a tutor, recommended by a friend, and he cons his sister into getting a job as an art therapy tutor, and then they help their mom get a job as a maid, housekeeper, and then they help their dad get a job as the driver. So they literally infiltrate this family. They latch on to them. They become, like, literally this parasite on this family, sucking everything they can out of them until it literally self-destructs, much like a parasite in the literal sense would do to the host that it's attached to. So I did find that very intriguing, that that was the title. And then that kind of clicks a third of the way into the movie that that's what's going on. The desperation that you felt from this lower class family was palpable. If you've ever been in a lower class situation, little money to your name, anything of that matter, you can easily relate to how they feel. At the same time though, the upper class family is never really portrayed as being fully above them. They're like nice people and they're like really open to hiring these people. They're not really like rude or anything. That though slowly does start to unravel um, towards the end of the movie and then they kind of start showing their true colors. But I did think it was interesting that it wasn't this immediate, like, look how much better we are than you, kind of this bragging attitude. They were just kind of this family hiring help because they could. Another interesting thing that I realized was going on in the movie was the use of rain and water, which is a narrative tool in the first place, but it was put on full display in this movie. Uh, There's a really bad rainstorm towards the middle to the end of the movie. And it is viewed as like a curse to the lower class family. Because it's raining so hard, it literally floods them out of their apartment. Since the apartment's half underground. And they're like literally in over their heads in that flooding situation. Which translates to exactly the situation they're in with the wealthy family. They're at this point of the movie in over their heads because they already have discovered, spoiler alert, give you a few seconds, they've already discovered the previous housekeeper hiding her husband down in the bunker basement and the two families, the lower class family and the housekeeper are basically at wit's end of like who's going to tell the wealthy family first what's going on. So the main family's totally in over their heads on what to do, trying to still keep up this facade of not being related and working for this family. On the flip side, the rain is looked at as kind of a blessing to the wealthy family. They go on a trip to go camping, 
for the younger son's birthday. They have to come back early because of the rain, but then they throw a garden party the next day, and there's literally a quote in the movie where the wife says, oh, the rain did wonders for our backyard. Like, it's so beautiful. Everything's blooming. Like, this is a great party now. So it kind of was just interesting, like, that total reverse of how this weather phenomenon was being treated. The... Yeah, so like I was saying, they used the water, I think, to drive parts of the plot line, especially towards the end. It kind of pushed it towards its final act. So the movie also, I noticed, did kind of have these ghost story vibes. Not in, again, like not in a scary way, because this was not a horror movie, but just with how they described the younger son seeing the guy that was trapped in the bunker when he was trying to sneak out, and he thought it was a ghost. And there was just always kind of this weird, creepy, is there a ghost in the house kind of vibe. And I thought that it was an interesting play off of that, since there literally was someone hiding in that bunker the entire time you're watching this film. So it's like a ghost of that person. Uh, It was, to me, really tragic at the end that the lower class family dad had to hide in the bunker. And he felt like that was his only way out of his situation from stabbing the upper class dad and it was sad to me just because it was literally like he just put himself right back where he started like below everybody and everything he didn't really make any progress because he let his feelings and emotions get the better of him in the heat of that moment out in the garden party And it made me wonder, like, I guess he thought this was a better fate for him than just owning up and going to prison. Even though it's total isolation and he has to, like, hide and can't even get food guaranteed. Like, he has to sneak into the house just to get food and stuff. Um, But I did think it was kind of interesting that the son dreaming of what he was going to do to help get the dad out of the bunker, which literally was just doing life the way you're supposed to do life, like studying, getting a good job, making money, having enough money to buy that house. At first, they kind of made it seem like that's what he actually did, but then they kind of brought it back to like him just writing a letter saying like, this is what I want to do. And it's kind of ironic because it's almost like if you had just done that from the beginning, <laughs> you guys would have likely been pulled out of your lower situation a lot sooner But I guess that's the price you pay for being a parasite on someone else's wealth and fortune. Um, But yeah, I did think this was a really great movie. It had definitely something to say about class systems and just the way people perceive their place in the world. And I definitely know it's going to get Oscar's attention. Just a matter of what beyond foreign film if anything. Wouldn't be surprising if it did, because it is excellent. So definitely give it a try. So now we're going to talk about Richard Jewell, which was directed by Clint Eastwood. That currently has a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. So the plot line to that is it follows the aftermath of the Atlanta Olympics bombing in 1996, and the measures that the FBI and the press went to to try to frame Richard Jewell as the perpetrator instead of the hero. 
uh, Clint Eastwood obviously has a huge film resume. His more recent movies include The Mule, 1517 to Paris, Sully, American Sniper, just to name a few. And side note, this man is 90 years old, which I did not realize. I know he's ancient, but I did not actually click in my head that he is 90. That's wildly impressive to me. Uh, For some Oscar buzz, I think it could get some acting attention. I think it should, honestly, for Paul Walter Hauser, who plays Richard Jewell. It's like spot on to how that dude actually was. Best Picture is a toss-up. Like, it was a good movie. I don't know if that it was the best movie of the year. I guess we'll just have to see what happens with that one. But I did enjoy this film. I do like that more of Clint Eastwood's recent works have been kind of like the everyday hero people that you wouldn't expect to save the day, saving the day, kind of shining a light on their story. I will say that also with this film, I was a little biased towards it since I am from Atlanta. I was not old enough to remember the Olympic bombings or really the Olympics at all. I was five. But I am very familiar with the location, Centennial Olympic Park, and just all of that area. So it was very surreal to watch how that played out at a place that I know so well. Like when that bombing scene happened, my heart was pounding. And I literally screamed when the bomb went off, even though like I knew it was going to happen. My fiance is like, you know what's going to happen. Why are you freaking out? But the way that they shot it and like paced it and they didn't really use the expected camera shots that you would expect to like lead your attention. They kind of just set the bomb off abruptly and you're kind of like, wait, what? Oh, what? Thus causing me to scream. So I thought that was very well done. After that, which is essentially just the setup, this movie was extremely infuriating just to watch how the FBI and the media treated him. It was, like, just unbelievable. They wanted it to be true so bad, you could just tell they were trying to force it to be so by doing literally whatever they had to do, writing whatever they had to write, treating the investigation however they needed to, and kind of taking advantage of Richard Jewell since he was part of law enforcement. So they were like, oh, yeah, you know, that's just how cops are. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's a cop thing. Kind of just exploiting the good side of him and the way he perceived procedure to go down. Like, if the FBI is really like that, like, haven't helped any one of us who has to be investigated by them. But I will say, though, John Hamm does play a good douchebag. Like, you literally hate him in this movie. And he plays it really well. And believable, too. I know there was a lot of controversy with Olivia Wilde's character. And it is really unfair if they did embellish this character's story. But reading up on it a little bit more past the movie, it did sound like she was the type to flirt a little for info. She would always be hanging around at this cop bar... Some of the cops said that she would wear a different length skirt depending on how badly she needed a story or information. So it's, in my opinion, not like this total far-off flip of the type of reporter she was. They probably dramatized it since they couldn't show that backstory as much. I don't know for sure. Um, It did sound like... 
the AJC in real life was also trying to blow this up out of proportion to probably just distract people from wanting to go to the movie to see like how badly they screwed up since they were the ones who reported first that Richard Jewell was being investigated as the suspect whereas if they never reported that the snowball effect of everything that happened would not have happened and the scene that plays out with her getting the information from John Hamm's character like he told her what the scoop was before they did anything so it wasn't like he just dangling it over her head being like well first you gotta sleep with me like he told her straight up and then she could have just walked away but she didn't they almost portrayed it like these two had some kind of a history so it didn't just feel like this random one-off like her just showing up but you know I guess it's got to take it with a grain of salt and they do put the disclaimer that some of the events are fictionalized you know that whole spiel so that's just part of that um the casting overall was spot on because they did mix a lot of archival footage in and when they showed some of those clips like I literally was like wait is that the actor is that the real person like it was very well done casting oh yeah like I said before Eastwood he has been doing a lot with real life heroes lately so it was kind of nice to get this clarity of this story and seeing kind of what actually happened to this guy and just all that he went through when he was just trying to be the security guard that he was hired to be. He did say something towards the end of the movie when he was finally just standing up for himself before the FBI told him they didn't have anything to charge him with. And he was like, basically like, I don't know why you guys did this because you're going to set this weird precedent now and people are going to not want to speak up when they see something happening. And it's true. Like, if they had charged him, that's exactly what would have happened. I think it's our culture has moved into kind of the see something, say something place. So it might have dissipated a little, but I'm sure there were some weird effects in the years following that because of the way he blew up in the press and people didn't want to have that happen to them. But yeah, as I said, overall, just very frustrating to see what happened. But... A really interesting story. Great acting. Great directing. Big fan of Atlanta. So kind of cool to see all that. Saw some throwback Chick-fil-A cups and such. Uh, but yeah. I, it's a good watch. And I would recommend it for sure. On the next episode, I'm going to go into Bombshell. And also Ford versus Ferrari. So stay tuned for episode 6 coming at you soon. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode and join me as we go to the movies.